Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are so, so excited to have you with us today. It's interview day, and interview day makes me personally very excited because I get to hear about other people's lives instead of my own. Um, Before we dive into our interview subject, why don't I say hello to my incredible, fantastical co-host, Tova. How are you today, Tova? What's going on? I am, I am good. I am, I am feeling good today. I just had, uh, not to derail this already from the start, but you know, I like to do that. Um, I was just having a text conversation with a friend and she was saying that she needed to say no more. Oh. Um, and I, that she's we know like, all about that. Yeah. And also like, I said, yeah. And I said, you know, she's like, it's mostly me signing up for things. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I said, sure. yeah, I said like the hardest person to say no to is yourself. And it was just a good little reminder that I think a, I'm back in that mindset, which is good. And B, I should be more intentional, but it was just like a nice little like reset. You know, I think sometimes you can have those like quick conversations that are like, Oh yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of feeling like, all right, Ask me to do something. I'm going to say, well, I am. I'm going to ask you (laughs) to join me in this interview, which I'm very excited about. So let's get to it. Um, As everyone probably already knows this season on we go boldly, we're talking about unlocking what holds you back now, huge, huge topic, right? Super broad. So many ways we could go with this. So we try to spend each episode talking about some like smaller, more narrow category of things and, and behaviors and habits that hold us back from who we want to be, where we want to be, what we want to be, all of those fun things. Um, and of course, as you probably also already know, we love to have guests on the show because it's not just our perspective that matters. And it's important that we get a variety of people's life experiences on the show so that you all can have people to relate to and people to listen to and ways to learn that don't just (laughs) relate to my life or Tova's life Um, or our life experience, which is fast and exciting, but you know, so be it. So today on the show, I'm so, so excited to let you know that we have Leslie Grossblatt with us today. She's a new friend to the show, um, which I am of course, always excited about. Let me tell you a little bit about Leslie um, before she comes on and uh, answers our very light and not probing questions. (laughs) Um, So Leslie's career spans over 20 years of conceptualizing, building, launching, and scaling products used by millions of businesses and consumers worldwide at leading technology companies, including Netflix and Intuit super awesome. Uh, For her record record of building innovative solutions that drive real world impact, Leslie was named one of Fast Company's most creative people in business for 2017. So very cool. Um, I always comment on people's bios as I'm going through because I'm just so like impressed by other (laughs) I know I'm just so impressed by other people's accomplishments. Um, Leslie has the distinction of serving as the first chief product officer in the public media sphere as chief product officer at KQED, one of the leading public media companies in the US. Prior to KQED, Leslie served as the chief operating officer at the board list, a public benefit corporation aimed at increasing gender diversity on corporate boards. Very cool stuff. Um, at Netflix, Leslie served as product lead for expansion into international markets, including Latin America, UK, and Ireland, as the first internal entrepreneur within into its payroll slash employee management services division. Leslie led the effort to rapidly launch, test, and iterate on multiple new products and was awarded seven US patents for data-driven product innovations. That is a mouthful and also amazing. Uh, currently, Leslie advises CEOs and product leaders throughout or through her company, Clarion Product LLC. So I think Leslie uh, doesn't let very much hold her back. I know Tova must think that as well. So Leslie, welcome to the show. We're super, super happy to have you with us today. 
Hello. Hi. So uh, welcome to We Go Boldly. Your bio is um, intimidating and amazing and wonderful. And it's so, so exciting to have you on the show uh, for this season because we are spending all this time talking about, you know, unlocking what holds us back. And you have done such a wide diverse range of things with your career. And I would guess with your personal life as well. And we are just thrilled to have you and have you here to kind of share some of your experiences and talk to our audience about what your life has been like and how you've made the decisions that you've made to get to get to the place you're at in life now. So I'm going to turn it over to Tova because she's going to kick off the questions today. But welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are very excited. Um, when we get somebody's bio, sometimes we like we pare it down or we cut it out a little yeah. bit, and we we're like, well, we can't cut anything from this bio. We have to no. share it all because it's all <laughs> really interesting. Um, so our first question is always a big one because we like to just jump right into the deep end. So our first question is, how have you assume if you have so so this is an assumption that's being made so feel free to correct it but how have you unlocked your purpose and your passion in life wow that's a yeah and it's okay to say well i haven't but um yeah. if you have yeah how have you done that i i think you know one of the things about purpose and passion is it sounds really intimidating. And it also sounds like it's very singular. Like you're, you're supposed to have uh, one purpose or one passion. And as somebody who is insanely curious and always interested in learning new things and about people and how they think. Um, it's, it's never necessarily been the case that I've had singular passions or purpose. Um, and I think that where I am in life and where I've come so far and really recognizing that it's a continuing process is going to evolve over the span of my life, but where I am right now is, you know, my, what really motivates me and gets me excited is that curiosity um, and always wanting to learn new things um, and learn about new people. So how does that play out in life and particularly in professional life since we started with my professional bio, um, I've been searching um, over my career for opportunities where I get to really explore new areas and new ideas. Um, I love, I think my curiosity is also in intertwined with this idea of wanting to tackle really big, hairy problems that are, that may seem, you know, very insurmountable to other people, but the bigger the problem or the challenge professionally, the better, um, as far as what really gives me that energy and that is, I think, what underlies purpose and passion is like, where do you get your energy from? Yes. Yeah. Where do you get your energy from? <laughs> I um, I have so many follow-up questions to your answer. Um, the first, I guess, is have do you feel like that curiosity is just an innate personality trait or was that something encouraged for you? And um, the follow-up to that is how do you balance you know, all of the things that you want to do with making decisions, right? Because I'm sure just like me and and so many others, um, I, I 100% agree that passion and purpose is not linear and it's not singular. And, but there's only so much time in the day and there's only so much time in a year and, and, and so on and so forth. And people, I think, get stuck 
worrying like what door to open and so they don't open any doors so i'm curious to know um how you how you make those decisions like what in your life helps you make those decisions you know it's interesting because the career that i've had for the past 20 or so years working in product um and i don't know if everybody understands what that means but on a, on a very basic level within a technology company the pro what the product folks do is decide what is it that is the product that we're going to build like what are what are we building and putting out in the world and then we get it built right and this this type of job at its core is all about what you're talking about about priorities because no one ever has unlimited resources, money, time to do everything that every, you know, business, every customer, <laughs> every product person, every engineer right. wants to make, yep. right? We can't, we don't have unlimited time. We can't make everything, nor is it a probably a good idea to make everything that everybody wants, you know, regardless of the fact that it's completely unrealistic. So the job and of, of itself is always about making priorities and decide and trade-offs and saying, okay, you know, what is, what is our focus? What's our strategy? We have some kind of big goal. What is, you know, and there's maybe 10 ways to get there, but what, what have we decided is the best bet for us to get there? And then from there, we make some decisions about, okay, then that means we should do this and we shouldn't do that. We should focus on this and we shouldn't do that versus let's kind of keep a little bit in every single pot. That doesn't work nearly as well as saying, you know what, we're really just going to spend our time and attention on this for a certain amount of time, learn, see how it goes and build from there, right? So and in the personal, it, it, as far as on a personal level, the way that plays out for me is I think um, I really, I really um, like the idea of seasons, right? There are seasons of your life and that at different points of your life, different things take more priority um, for whatever reason, because of external factors or because of just where you are mentally. But you know, I'm a person who, like I said, has, you know, maybe five, <laughs> 500 different things that I'm interested in at a given, given time because of my curiosity. But at any given time, it's like, you know, right now is the season for me to be more focused on family, or this is a season for me to be more focused on internal growth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> go ahead. So, my question um, is, so I am, I am a curious person, but it has only been in my age, I guess, my years that I was more willing to actually get off that linear, like path to actually explore my curiosity. So I guess I'm wondering, um, is this something, it kind of circles back to Riley's question, but like, were you were you encouraged to just sort of think outside the box or was your personality strong enough to be like, I don't care if I'm encouraged or not. I'm thinking outside the box. I'm going to try different things. Um, or is that something that it's just sort of happened? Like, I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is sometimes you see someone's um, resume and they're like, oh yeah, well, I went there because this happened. And, you know, where you'll find somebody who says, well, I started with this job. Um, cause that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then I just stayed at the company and now I'm doing this other job and it's totally fascinating. And like, was there, um, beyond the desire just to expose yourself to a variety of things, um, when you were younger and maybe less aware of the seasons of life, um, unless you're like my middle son who just has wisdom beyond his years, which you could have been, um, like what was your approach then when you were kind of starting out? Yeah. So I think, I think Riley asked the question about, you know, was I always this innately curious or was that developed or, and thinking back um, in childhood, I think I was just always 
the the curiosity was always there. Um, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, um, and the prized possession in our home was a set of encyclopedias. <laughs> and I would just pour over them all the time, reading about all kinds of random things, memorizing, you know, what were all the host cities of the Olympics of, of you know, <laughs> since they started, um, you know, but constantly something like I would hear something, see something. And I, I also, you know, I don't want to kind of come off as I was this very bookish person. I was. And also I watched a ton of TV. I spent, you know, 12 hours a day in the summers because I was home alone, didn't have a babysitter or camp or anything. Um, babysitting myself, watching TV, you know, and reading a lot of books and encyclopedias. But whenever I would hear or see something that was always constantly triggering another question, you know, and then I would have this like, okay, well, you know, so for example, the Olympics thing, the Olympics would be going on. And the first thing I would think is, oh, you know, I wonder, have they had the Olympics in this place before? Or, you know, what countries have hosted host the Olympics? Which ones haven't? And it it was like my mind was constantly following different rabbit trails, right? Just I think naturally, and um, you know, it's hard to imagine how other people's brains work on the inside. So I, I, you know, I just assume everybody's like that, but maybe they're not. I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I, kind of I think everybody's just, like that. I want to invite you to watch movies with me. Cause I literally sit there with a laptop and I'm like, what was this person in before? Oh, is that true? Oh, yeah. I want to see if that's true. Is that what happens at the <laughs> right. city? Like, is right. that a re- like, it is all, I just, you know, I exactly love it. <laughs> Like I, I do that. I do that with movies a lot. I love movies, by the way. And, um, you know, I'll start thinking immediately, like, what, what was the inspiration for this story? Where did this, where did this come from? You know, how much did it cost to make, um, you know, and were there other actors that were considered for the roles? I mean, you know, I, I can't stop I can't stop doing that. Um, Luckily, I can parallel track and enjoy the story, right, at the same time. But there's definitely, like, the mind is just making connections, making connections, making connections, asking questions, going down different paths, blah, 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 right? And um, which is interesting because, Tova, you brought up, you know, having had this very linear path, for a long time and now feeling like you're opening up more to that curiosity. I think a lot of people, especially, so I, I was, I was that kid who, you know, did all the right things, went to college, went to law school, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that life is a very linear, very, um, externally, externally, external validation focused thing where it's like, okay, you do the thing. And then if you do the thing, you will get the thing. And then you do the next thing and then you will get the next thing. Right. And that isn't, that isn't aligned with this kind of meandering. I'm just open and making weird connections in my brain. It's, it's a very different, it's a very different way of being. And um, I think, you know, going into this uh, initial um, academic world in college and then law school and getting a job as a lawyer, it was always very, um, it never felt uh, authentic to me because it was like, okay, I'm doing all these things to get all of these other things that I don't necessarily care about. I mean, I'm afraid of not having a job. I'm afraid of not having money. And that's probably why I'm doing this in the first place. But it it just doesn't it doesn't speak to me because um it doesn't feed that that really free form like, oh, what about this or 
okay, can I do something? Maybe we're thinking about things completely wrong, right? Yeah. The so, feel like the law is not for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, that was my experience anyway. Um, I, I, I have, again, I have so many follow-ups. Um, so do you think that, um, your curiosity and your, um, I'm going to say it this way and I, hopefully this is okay. Your sort of compulsion to follow the trail, whatever the trail was at the moment helped you take risks and helped you feel more comfortable in discomfort. I mean, because risk-taking for a lot of people is very uncomfortable. Um, any sort of fear is very uncomfortable. Any sort of outside the box behavior, you know, is, is pretty uncomfortable for most people. And so I'm curious about your, um, your take on risk-taking, how, you know, you think you've gotten to, it seems like you've taken some risks and how you think you've gotten there. Cause it's, it, I, I'm just very interested to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, um, I was, when I graduated from law school, I was a lawyer for about a year and I was fired in spectacular fashion. <laughs> um, meaning that, um, I, you know, I, I just didn't fit. And there's a couple of ways that that could go for somebody. One is to beat yourself up and wonder why don't they like me and um, what can I do to make them like me, right? Yep. The other way is to go, well, screw all of you. I, I don't, you don't like me. I don't like you. Um, and I went the latter path. That was my reaction was like, great. Cause I don't like this at all. I didn't like the work. I didn't like the people. I didn't, the environment, nothing. So I was like, you know, I was, I was obviously hurt because I was really, you know, young, right. I was like 22 or something. Sure. Um, and, and it was definitely a blow, but the stronger feeling I had was like, screw you. Right. And And so in that way, that feeling was much stronger than any fear-driven reaction. And that made me feel like, okay, screw them. This isn't for me anyway. I'll try something else. And whatever it is could not be any worse than what I just left. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So I might as well just try and find something else to do. Um, The other thing is, and I didn't have words for it at the time, but looking back, I can see it now was that, okay, that was, what did I learn from that? Right. I learned something like it was crappy experience, but I learned one, I didn't like that kind of work Two, I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't care about that kind of affirmation. Um, and three, I don't really fit in <laughs> that, you know, there's some places where I don't fit in and that's okay. Yeah. Um, there's, and you know, there's some places I don't fit in. And then I thought, you know, I didn't know yet that there would be places that I would fit in, but, you know, it was a good, you know, there's definitely takeaways, right? And I think that's the most important thing is when you have setbacks, when you have things that go south or go sideways, right, in ways that you weren't expecting or hoping for, is the important thing is to say, well, what did you learn from that, right? If only to say, okay, I'm going to avoid that in the future, right? But instead of immediately taking as like a blow to your being or who you are, like I'm terrible, you know, I'm a failure, right? Like, put that aside for a second, maybe you are, but what, what substantively have you learned, right? So that your next, the next time something is presenting you, you have some data, some information to start making a decision, you know, and your next decision could be wrong too, but you're hopefully you're always learning and then being able to apply that learning to the next thing that comes up. What do you um, think it is? Sorry, Tova, I have to ask this question. What do you, I'm sorry, I'm cutting in. What do you think it is that enabled you to have that reaction at that young of an age to something that so many people I think would not have reacted positively to? I mean, I'm sure it's still, as you said, it hurt. 
to be fired. It like didn't, no one's going to enjoy that. It's not going to feel good, but your reaction is so opposite of what most people say, especially at a younger age. Like maybe now I'm, I don't know what, however old I am, I'm going to be 45 this year. And now I feel like I would be stable and fine and okay. But at 22, I don't know. I don't know if I would have So what in your life prepared you or enabled you to have that kind of reaction? Do you know, do you know, or is it just what happened? I mean, I, I feel like I had this gigantic chip on my shoulder, <laughs> honestly, um, because for a, a lot of my childhood into high school and college, there was always some, there, I was always fighting against something like something was always trying to put, push me down. Right. Whether it was, you know, when I was, um, in elementary school, they put me into a gifted and talented class and we were teased mercilessly by the other kids in the school, right. Bullied to no end. Um, that put the fight in me, right? Because I would just get angry, like, who the hell are you? Like, (laughs) right? And I kind of this little firecracker, like, I'm ready to throw, you know, throw punches. Like, I I had, (laughs) this is a funny little story, I'll tell you. I was in, this was before I was in the gifted and talented class, but I was like in third grade. And this girl in my class decided that she hated me. And she told me that after school, she and her friend were going to beat me up on the playground. And, and I, my reaction was the hell you will. Right. Like, um, and I went to, I went to my older brother who went to the same school, told him what was happening, asked him to help me. And he said, no, you have to fight your own battles. You know, (laughs) Such an older brother thing to say. Yeah, right. Such an older <laughs> brother thing to say. And what did I do? I said, fine. I went to every single other kid in the class be- besides those two girls and said, they're planning to beat me up. Will you be on my side and stand with me so that they won't you know, do anything? And everybody did. And we went out to the yard and there I am with a bunch of kids on my side and the two girls over there. And I said, you know, all right, what are you going to (laughs) do? But, um, you know, uh, I think there was just always this, you know, I had this very strong sense of justice Mm -hmm. and what is right and a lot of fight in me, just a lot of fight. And, you know, when I went to I went to a high school that was very low income in Hayward, California, you know, like um, maybe most kids did not go to four-year college. We had a lot of people where English was not their first language. You know, this is not, you know, high achieving. And I end up going to the University of Chicago. Um, And when I got to Chicago, I was totally out of my depth. Everybody there went to these, you know, all the famous high schools and prep schools and, you know, had read all these books and stuff that I had never heard of. Um, We didn't do that stuff in my class. Uh, We just, you know, barely did worksheets, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and um, but I had this feeling that developed there, too, where it was like, you know, I haven't had all the same experiences as everybody else, but I feel like I'm just as smart as them. And if not smarter in a lot of different ways, like these people are dumb in certain ways of life. Um, And I think all of those kinds of experiences really fed into that reaction that you're asking about, Riley, where it was like, you know, where did that come from? I think, you know, I've had years of practice of feeling that way. Yeah. It's and Tova, I promise I will let you ask the question. I'm not going to ask. The I'm question. just going to not let you ask a question so we can take a break. But you can ask this question. It's not even a question. I just feel like um, you're what you're talking about, Leslie, is such a good example of how practice really prepares us for these sorts of situations. And if we don't allow ourselves to fail at 
any point in time, right? Like if we don't do anything that would allow ourselves to fail, if we never take a chance that could go wrong for some reason, then we're, you know, once we get to the point where life forces us to fail, because it will, then it becomes a much, much bigger blow to the ego and and to who you are as a human, as you were saying before. Um, but if you've spent a life like trying things and, and exploring and being curious, as you've said, then it is easier to fall down because you've gotten up before and you keep, you keep the, you know, keep, you keep doing it over and over again. Um, so we've talked about that before on the show. And I just wanted to highlight that that's, you know, essentially what you're, you're saying, whether you had a choice in it or not, I don't, you know, it's, it's not exactly the the point. It's just, that's what you were forced to do. And therefore you became more resilient. Um, so it's, I, I just find it such a fascinating kind of example of that happening in real life. But now I'll stop to it. It's all, all you. We're going to take a quick break because <laughs> okay. we could just keep going on and on, um, which is wonderful. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey, Tova, you know what I love? Coffee definitions, uninterrupted reading time. Okay. All of those things are true, but I also love maps. As in Siri, take me to the beach. Yeah. Also as in, uh, who am I really? And who do I want to be? Yeah. I figured that's what you meant, but I also have the beach on my mind. So, well, we were talking about things we love, so that definitely makes sense. But the map I was thinking about is our Defining You course. Yes, we put together Defining You as a way to map where you are and how you want to live your life. So true. So many people struggle to find their purpose in a busy and noisy world. That's why we made Defining You, our course meant to guide you to creating your own mission statement. And there's good news. You can get it now on teachable.com. Find the link on our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash courses, or check out the link on our Instagram bio at goboldlytogether. We can't wait to see you there. Now let's head back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, I think that, you know, Riley and I both probably have 87 follow-up questions, but I am going to skip down to one that um, I've been thinking about a lot because like Riley was saying, you really do um, exhibit resiliency, right? And resilience because you, you're like, I'm going to try, I'm going to find, you're going to beat me up. I'm going to go somewhere else and have a bunch of kids behind me. Um, but my question to you is um, in your life, because you've done all of these different things, how, um, how do you define success for yourself? I think success for me feels like I have learned something. I have grown in some way, right? And interestingly, we are talking about resiliency and, um, you know, having had the opportunity to fail, right? Um, even in failure, quote unquote, their success as far as I'm concerned, because I learned to fail, right? Like they want, they want their employees at a variety of levels to be willing to try something. And then if it doesn't work, that's okay. It can, you know, we'll try something else. So we'll, we'll do something else. Do you think like your, your curiosity and sort of your own personal approach to failure has helped or informed you in your jobs? Because it sounds like that's really such a, a lot of people, even people who say they're okay with failure, aren't actually okay with failure and don't have the same approach. And so you, that is really something unique that you can bring to an organization and looking at the variety of different jobs you have, I feel like um, that's something that would, would be helpful there. So is that something that you feel like you have brought to these different roles that um, are sort of unique, but also very similar to each other? Yeah. And I think, you know, interestingly, um, my, in my professional career in product, 
that has actually informed a lot of my vocabulary and thinking about failure because um, there's uh, there's a really influential book out there called The Lean Startup. And it's, you know, written for tech, po- tech folk. And, but one of the foundational things about that book and that thinking is that the important thing is to realize you don't know what you don't know, set out to acquire that knowledge through experimentation, whether you fail or succeed, the most important thing next step is figuring out learnings from that. Why did we fail? Why did we succeed? Right? So that it's not necessarily, um, and that's really the difference too, in this kind of like, um, this way of being that's really curiosity driven versus this like linear external validation thing, right? A lot of a lot of organizations and people are all are, are like, okay, success failure is binary, right? I'm either a success or a failure, right? And mm-hmm. you know, quite frankly, we've started we start kids on this the second they walk into school when they start getting A's and you know you get an A or you get an F or you know B, C or D, whatever. But we're like ranking and grading, and it's like you're, you you either succeeded or you didn't, right? Versus an environment where you would be driven by, okay, we're trying to accomplish something, right? We don't know what we don't know. We got to approach this sort of scientifically, like let's try some things, let's run some experiments. And then whether it succeeds or fails, the most important thing is learning. Okay, what happened, right? Why? Why did it fail? Why did it succeed? Why did it succeed? And, you know, I was I was in a company where they didn't really have that kind of experimental mindset where it really was like, you know, uh, we set these like numbers and we hit them. And so we're fit. We're success and great. Yay. And everybody celebrates or we didn't hit the numbers and oh, wah, wah, wah. Then there's a lot of like self-flagellating, like why didn't we hit the numbers? Right. Right. But that culture is not learning driven. Right. Because a culture that is learning driven would take failure and success equally as, as like a good thing, right? Because if you got learnings from it. Because it's like in my life, right? It's like the more I learn, at least I'm not gonna do that again. Right. <laughs> it's like helping clear the clear the next step and make the next step a little bit more sensical, right? How do you think? Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Go I'm ahead. curious, but you started sort of down this path a little bit. I'm curious to know how you think this um or how this sort of philosophy and outlook on your professional life plays out in your personal life or does it? I mean, is this something I guess, is this like a universal characteristic that you are carrying with you or is it more just your professional world? How does that play out? Uh, You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's as disciplined, right? (laughs) As rigorous in my personal life where I'm stopping and saying, oh, okay, what are the learnings? But I feel like even with my kids, right? it's a really important thing, uh, important practice to do with them and to help them with is, okay, if something didn't work out, like, okay, well, what did we learn from that? What what should we do differently next time? Or if something did go well, like, well, what, what do you, you know, what do you attribute that to? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a small example, but um, my older kid started high school this year um, does this online high school after having been homeschooled for a few years, completely out of the academic environment for a few years, and then jumped into a very academic high school. And, um, you know, I think we, we do a check-in like once a week where I, you know, go over with him, like, okay, here's what you, what you're supposed to get done this week in school. And we set some goals, like, you know, sometimes his goals are something like, 
I'll say, what's your goal? And he'll say, meow. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes it's something real, like, you know, get my homework, all my homework done before Sunday. So I have a day free, right? But we set the goals. And then it's really important uh, practice that we kind of look back at the last week and say, well, how'd it go? You know, you set some goals and how'd it go? And what do you think went right? You know, what do you think could have been better, you know, can change, but in in a very informal way. I mean, it's kind of sounds like a work meeting, but it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's us sitting on the couch, just kind of, you know, just chatting and talking it through. But I think it's really important with them. They're 14 and 12 to help them, you know, have that mindset of, you know, success or failure, whatever, you know, the most important thing is, you know, are you getting closer to where you want to be? If you are, why? <laughs> if you aren't, why not? Right. Right. And to stop attaching judgment to the outcome, right? Like mm-hmm. just because somebody else might term something a success or a failure doesn't mean that's actually what it is. And that's just a that's a subjective judgment that gets applied to whatever has taken place. And I love right. the idea of being able to, and I, and I try to do this with my kids, they're younger, so they're not as willing to listen yet, but that, you know, this idea that, um, the goals or the, the things they're trying to achieve, as long as they are kind of focusing on that and taking steps towards whatever it is they want to do, that's, that's the success. That's, that's winning whatever that means, Mm -hmm. you know, um, are there things, are there risks for you that you won't take? Are there, I mean, obviously there are right. But like, are there, what is it that gets in your way? What holds you back ever? I think, you know, what holds me back is even though I'm talking about fear, right. it's natural. It's human. You're going to have fear. Yep. It's, there's no way to make it go away completely. Um, so f- what holds me back is, you know, fear of, am I, if I do this, am I going to cut off a potential, you know, for something else? So for example, Um, I stopped working full time, um, two years ago and that was a big change. And, you know, every, every day, I think I, I have some element of fear, like, you know, if I don't get a job, well, if I need to get a job in the future, will I not be able to get a job again? Right. So that's a constant fear. However, I also have that, have that, um, kind of fighter survivor mentality from, from all the way when I was a little kid that says, you know what, whatever happens, I've fought and I've survived and I've figured something out. There's no reason to think I can't figure it out when, and you know, if, and when I need to, right. Um, And that, but there's a constant conversation, right? I don't, I I don't want anyone to think like, I'm just sitting around constantly, like positive, like (laughs) you can do it, you know, (laughs) that, that you can do it is usually in response to a conversation with myself of like, oh, I'm so scared. And, you know, um, and so that's like kind of the anxious voice talking. I'm scared. I have fear. I'm scared. And then the, the other side of me steps in and asks questions like, well, why do you, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to get a job. Okay. So you've been fired from multiple jobs in your life, laid off, fired. You haven't lived until you've been shit canned is my philosophy. <laughs> um, but you always, you always figured something out. Yes, that's true. But what if like, oh, but yeah, why would you, why would it change? Do you have any reason to think it would change? No, I mean, I guess I don't. Right. So it's like a constant internal, internal dialogue. Yeah. Yes. And so everyone else who's listening, everyone is human and everyone goes through these things. Um, 
you know, I think we tend to think of ourselves as, you know, in a silo and we're the only person who's ever experienced something or had these negative thoughts. Everybody else, you know, we compare ourselves in ways that are unreasonable. Um, and which is why I asked the question, because I, I made an assumption about the answer, but it's, um, it's important for people to recognize that it is a process. It's an ongoing process of fear release, fear release. Um, and everyone has different ways of doing that, but I, I really appreciate you sharing yours. Cause I think it's important for people to hear. And I think people look at like, um, your resume or look at like, I think, and people make so many assumptions like, oh, well, you know, she doesn't have the fear or she know. of course she's going to land somewhere. Great. Of course it's going to work out. I think that we give other people a much much wider margin for error and for failure and also see all these great things that they do when we see the other side of things where we're like well yeah that was a good job but then like I got laid off or I didn't really like it or and on the outside it's so easy to just see everything as looking great and so like we definitely appreciate you um sharing that um I'm wondering so I, it sounds like you have a, a healthy conversation with fear on a fairly regular basis where you just kind of tell it to like, walk away. It's fine. <laughs> I heard you. You can walk away now. <laughs> um, but is there anything that you, so, so I guess what I, I say it that way, cause it doesn't sound like fear is a huge influence. Um, it, it, it is there, it is present. It takes up some time every day, but it's not holding you back necessarily but is there anything that you would do if there was absolutely no chance of failure that like you were going to be whatever your definition of success is and you're going to learn from it? Like it's just going to be like gangbusters. Is there anything that you would do um, in your life that you haven't done yet? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I do that now. Like there isn't honestly so for example um I had always wanted to write a screenplay for um a long time and I never I never thought of it like I was actually ever going to do it just like that would be cool and then maybe about eight years ago or so I volunteered with this group that taught that went into public schools and taught fifth graders how to write these short screenplays and that was really it started to you know kind of scratch that itch a little bit because it's like oh wow like I'm I'm kind of learning along with the fifth graders what it is to write a screenplay and that's cool um and uh and that kind of stayed stayed dormant I you know volunteered with them for a few years and then um as I said I stopped working full-time like two years ago and after I was out of the full-time work world for for a while I pulled it off the shelf like you know what um because I happened to see an advertisement for a short screenplay contest and I had no intention of like uh, winning a contest or anything, but I was like, that could be a good way to like actually do it. Like I've been thinking about it and thinking about it for a long time. Maybe I should just do it. And that would be a good forcing function. You know what? I'll just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. What's the commitment? It's like 50 bucks to enter and like, you know, a couple of days. Um, I have some time on my hands since I'm not working full time, but let me just, let me just do it. Right. And, and so I, I kind of approach anything that comes up like that. Right. You know, is there something, is there something that I, ha that ha I haven't tried that I want to try? No, because if I want to try it, I've, I've tried it in some small way. Right. And it's that same thing about like, you know, you don't know what you don't know, go out, try some things, learn from that 
and then have that inform like your next step. Do you do more of that? Do you stop doing that? Do you do something different? Right. Um, But the trick is always taking like small steps because it could have been like, I want to write a screenplay. Okay. I'm going to, you know, apply for some kind of, you know, film school and I'm going to, you know, move to LA and, you know, it's no, no, no. (laughs) Start like one, one small thing, one thing you need to learn in order to move to the next step, which is, can I write, you know, can I write five pages? Yeah. If I can, that's, that's something, you know, and then kind of grow from there. It's so important that anyone listening hears what you just said, because so many of us, particularly like high quote, high functioning professional women think that you have to be perfect before you begin, or that you have to be the best at everything before you start doing it. And um, I'm guilty of that. I've spent plenty of my life feeling that way. And the reality is that what you're saying is the route to, I I don't know, I don't want to say success, but the route to getting the ball rolling to, to taking the steps to seeing if you even want to be doing it. I wish I had done something like that for law school, right? Like where I could have just tried it because I would have said, Oh, this is not for me. I hated law school, hated it. And I spent three years and so much money on law school. Um, and if I had been able to just go and take a class or, I mean, I'm probably was able, but if I had like had that thought, then I right. would have realized this is not the right move for me. This is, it would have saved me money, time, stress, anxiety, you know, all the things. And on the flip side, if there are other things I had tried and been like, oh, this is great. I love this. This is, this is it. Then, you know, I could have moved in a bigger direction, which is what you're saying. And mm-hmm. so many of us get caught up in this idea that we have to just like go out the gate, moving to Hollywood, writing the next blockbuster movie with you know all the most famous people in it and that's that's just overnight success is not real and we don't recognize that enough and I just again I appreciate you sharing that because that's so so important for people um to to hear and to understand and to have validated for them that that it's okay to take the small step that that's in fact a great way to start um right and you know what you're talking about as far as your experience with law school right people get these ideas in their head. Like your idea was like, I want to go to law school. I don't know if your idea was even, I want to be a lawyer. Was your idea, I want to be a lawyer or I want to go to law school? Which was I'm not even sure either. The time. Was, I'm not even sure I want It was probably either. law school. It was probably, I, it I was don't probably know what law school. do. Right, so I, exactly. That was me too, right? Um, but people get this thing in their head. I want to go to law school or I want to be a lawyer or I want to write a, I want to write a screenplay. I want to direct a movie or whatever, right? And most people get that idea without any exposure to what that thing actually is. Yeah. yeah. Right. They have some idea from the media or, you know, it's like, you know, my idea of a lawyer was LA law, like (laughs) God forbid, like the real world is anything like that. It's not right. But, but so people get this idea in their head and then they start the planning of the steps with that perhaps unrealistic, not incorrect view of that thing. So they're planning all these steps and doing like, I'm, that's what I need to do to get there. Right. The versus the approach that I would take is, okay, let's start from step one. Right. It's like, you want to, you want to go to law school. Why do you want to go to law school? I don't know. Okay. Well, number one, figure out why, what is, what about it is. So then we can, we can talk from there, you know? So maybe your thing is like, oh, I want to go to law school because I want to get a job that pays well. Like, okay, well, is that the only way, right? Is there, and if it turns out like, no, I really like doing 
the kinds of things that lawyers do. Like, okay, what do you know about that? Have you ever actually sat in a courtroom or in a law office, shadowed a lawyer, see what they actually do all day, right? Um, have you ever, you know, if your goal is I want to go to law school, have you ever at least sat in a class? Yeah. I never, I applied to law school. I never visited law school. Yeah. Same. I'd been in a courtroom. I didn't do any of but that I'd never stuff. Been, <laughs> but I'd never been to a school. I, I'd, I'd never been in a courtroom. I didn't know any lawyers. I'd never seen what lawyers do. Um, I knew LA Law and I knew like cop shows, you know, yep. it's like I knew that lawyers made a lot of money, I think, which turned out to not be true. Um, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, All the I'm, wrong things. Yeah. I'm just sitting over here laughing because I did intern with a lawyer before law school. But you loved and law I school. Hated. Yeah, I love law. I loved law school. I hated the internship. It was that's a horrible funny. summer. Right. But I said, oh, well, that's different because it's not. But I still, at the time of law school, there's lots of jobs that I could have looked at and taken my legal education and not gone to being a lawyer. And yet I like interned for a lawyer and I was like, that must be an aberration. <laughs> and then I did a summer associate and I was like, no, that's an aberration too. Right. I'm sure I'll actually like being a lawyer. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, I don't. But I will say I loved, I loved law school. I don't know though, like what I probably should have been like, I think you just like going to school and perhaps academia is a place for you. <laughs> right, 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 like, right. right. So that would have been, that would have been the thing like, okay, yep. you did this internship before you went to law school, you hated it. You know, the takeaway would have been, okay, um, this kind of what this lawyer does, I'm not, that is uninteresting to me and I don't right. like that and I don't like this environment and blah, 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 blah. So, so then the question should have been like, okay, do I really want to be a lawyer? Right. right? Well, it's like- it's Mm, you know, you had in your mind, you were going to be a lawyer and you were going to go to law school and you interned with this lawyer. But the step, the step that could have been different, right, is to have stopped for a second and said, this lawyering thing. Hmm. It's like, okay, what, what, a, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, I think also, you know, sometimes it's, and, and we, we have taken up so much of your time and we need to take a break and come back with like our quick responses. But I do want to say, I think sometimes we ask ourselves the wrong questions. So like I, one thing I, um, and we've talked about purpose and passion, but I think another really important question is like, and it's something that I've encouraged my kids to think about, even though they're like seven, nine and 11, and I've been doing it since they were like four. And they're like, why are you asking me this? But, um, is like, how do you want to spend your day? Because I love the law and talking about the law and thinking about the law, but I am, cannot sit at a desk all day long. And so many legal jobs have you sitting at a desk all day long. And in my head, I was sort of at this like rundown office, probably doing like public defense work or like fighting in illegal services, but I didn't do all the math. And I was like, Oh no, law school costs money. I can't take, like, there were just so many questions that I just didn't ask as part of the analysis. And I think that's something. Um, and we've been talking about that more and more when we talk about like making calculated risks. I think that we need as, as people, as, as women, as people, as humans to ask, not to do outside of the box things, but ask outside of the box questions. Like, how do you want to spend your day? Do you want to be sitting at a desk all day? Do you want to be up on your feet? Do you want to like, what do you want that to look like? Uh, it turns out I have like massive anxiety to sit in an office with my boss, like right next door. Um, I work much better when they're in a different state. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think there's just, it's, um, it's interesting. We could talk about this all day long yeah. um, because you're fascinating and I love it all. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to bottle up your firecrackerness and give it to my kids to make sure they have <laughs> that same attitude. Um, but Riley, unless you have more, you want to say we can take a quick break yep. and we'll come back with our bold questions uh, before we, as we wrap up. 
in case you didn't already know, we love talking. True story. More than simply talking, we love researching, prepping, and bringing this podcast to life. We launched We Go Boldly with the goal of reaching people dealing with the kinds of questions and concerns that we also face. Things like how to hear my inner voice, how to make sure my habits are worth it and stick, how do I feel my feelings and still manage to function. After years of personal work and lots of trial and error, we realized we have a lot to share on these topics. Now we've been broadcasting for over a year and we are proud of our podcast. And uh, to no one's surprise, we still have a lot to say and talk about. We sure do. We need your help to keep going. Every episode takes time and money to create and we would love your support. So if you like what we are doing, please support us by joining our Patreon community and becoming a monthly subscriber. Join our Patreon community today at patreon.com slash we go boldly. We are so grateful to all of our supporters. Now, back to the show. All right, so welcome back, everyone. We are going to end with our five bold questions. And these are quick answers. You know, it doesn't have to be one word, but just, you know, short answers. And we will not do any follow-ups despite always wanting to do lots of follow-ups to these questions. Uh, so Leslie, are you ready? Okay. Okay. I hope so. So are, no, they, they promise these are actually the, like pretty much the easiest questions of, of the day. Um, so the first question, what is on your nightstand? Um, a lamp my um apple watch charger and that's it all right question number two who's at the top of your playlist right now um depeche mode always love it nice. uh next question what is one thing that you haven't done yet that you always wanted to do hmm um Probably visit Paris. Yeah. Uh, favorite beverage? Water. And last but not least, aside from necessities, what is one thing you could not go a day without? I could not go a day without some kind of physical activity. I, I need it not only for my body, but my mind, it's like the only time that I really spend clearing my head of, of thoughts and tuning into my body. Awesome. Um, well, we loved having you today. We could have talked to you probably for another like five hours, I'm sure. Um, but you, uh, probably want to get, get on with your day. It's still in the morning. You have a whole day in front of you where you are. Um, so where can people find you on socials or websites? We'll be sure to include it in all the show notes. If people want to just see what you're up to. Um, I think, uh, you can just find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places. All the usual places. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we loved having you on. Riley, it looked like you were going to say something. No. Oh, I was just going to say what you're saying. We we are so grateful to you for being on the show today. I know that um, people will really benefit from a lot of the things that you were willing to share with us and willing to talk about. Um, and hopefully everyone listening, you know, took some things away and will continue to work on unlocking whatever is holding them back so they can live a life that's full and um, meant for them as opposed to meant for other people. So with that, we will um, say thank you again. So great to have you here. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode on unlocking what is holding you back. So thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. 
While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.